Uh, Heavenly Father, thank you for today. We look back and remember 21 years ago how the world was changed and, and the devastation that was September 11th and the attack on the Twin Towers. And so, Lord Jesus, we are just praying a blessing and a covering and your spirit of comfort, your perfect shalom peace with all of those that were impacted. And we thank you for those that responded in service to, to serve. Um, there's no greater love than to lay down your life for one another. So, Lord, we thank you for those that are serving our country and serving uh, this house. We bless you. We say thank you. Thanks for our pastor. 38 years of faithfulness, God. We bless him. And we say thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Someone shout amen. 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 Um, pastor Miles is celebrating 38 years of marriage. Uh, some of you know that in past, this past June, uh, Vanessa and I celebrated 10 years of marriage, 14 years together. Thank you. Appreciate that. And we were reminiscing on uh, our first dance. And so I, I brought this picture with me. This is our, our first dance. Come on, that's nice, right? That is nice, man. Man, that was like back when gray suits were like, gray suits? We can do gray suits now? It was just black and white before that. And we got, we got the gray busted it out. But our first dance, mariachi in the back. Come on, we can't let that slide. Come on, that was nice. It was awesome. But, but, but we, 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 we danced to the first song. And how many of you have uh, couples in the house have a song? You got a, you got a song between the two of you. You got a song? They, what's your song? What's your song? He, he's like, I, I just forgot it. Uh, it's good. It's real good. You remember? What is it? What is it? It's a, it's a bachata song? Or you're like, hey, hey, stand by me. The bachata version. Okay. I, I wish we could take that version for everybody that's joining us uh, on the broadcast and live streaming, <laughs> but the, the bachata version of Stand By Me, that's the jam. I thought that sounds nice. Um, we did not have a song. Vanessa and I didn't have a song, and so when we were getting married, we were talking about, what are we, what are we gonna dance to? How are we gonna open up our time? And, and she wanted this country song. Well, country, what are we talking about country? What are we, no, I was raised on R&B and hip hop. What, what are we talking about? We need some baby face, that's what we need. We need baby face. <laughs> And, and we, we, we're not like that was our song, but, but I picked uh, Every Time I Close My Eyes by Babyface. How many of you remember that song? If you're under 25, you don't know that song. You don't know that song. Yeah. Every time I close my eyes and thank the Lord that I got you. Ooh, ooh, ooh. And you got me too. That's the song. Every Time I Close My Eyes. Every Time I Close My Eyes by Babyface. And so we, 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 we danced the song. It was the picture right there. It was an awesome, awesome day. Fast forward several years later, Vanessa and I are in Home Goods. That's how you know we're adulting because all, all of our stories start with we were in Home Goods. We weren't at the club. No, we weren't, we weren't out. We were at Home Goods. And, and Vanessa goes, hey, listen. And I said, to what? And she goes, do you hear it? I said, hear what? <laughs> so you... You don't remember? I said, remember what? What am I trying to remember and listen to? She goes, that's our song. I said, our so baby face? She goes, that was our, our first dance song. I said, oh, every time I close my eyes, I'm thinking about you right now, as a matter of fact. Absolutely. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I just, I completely forgot that that was our very first song that we, I missed the moment. I missed it completely. In fact, she goes, that's why I wanted the, uh, the, the country song because we weren't going to remember this anyways. And uh, I tried to make up for it. After we got married, we bought the tickets to, uh, it was Rascal Flats, God Bless the Broken Road. And I'm like, we, we trying to bro broken road this thing. We're together. What are you talking about? But try to make up for it. And we went to the concert. But I missed that moment. And she goes, did you hear it? 
Do you remember? I said, remember what? <laughs> I don't remember. I missed the moment because I didn't recognize the song. I want to talk to you today about the power and the importance of remembering. The power and the importance of remembering. I want you to turn to Mark chapter 8. I'm going to read verses 14 to 21. And this sets us up for where we're headed with the message today. Mark chapter 8 verse 14. The disciples had forgotten to bring bread. Except for one loaf that had they had with them in the boat. Be careful, Jesus warned them. Watch out for the yeast of the Pharisees and that of Herod. They discussed this with one another and said, uh, it is because we have no bread, right? They're confused. Why is Jesus talking about yeast? We just said that we forgot to bring something except for that we don't have a whole lot. We're, we're in the situation. And, and Jesus goes, hey, be careful not to or look out for the yeast of Pharisees and of Herod. Because what's yeast do? Yeast is an ingredient that brings flavor to bread and makes it expand and grow. And so Jesus says, you think you don't have something. So be careful not to look for something in the hands of religion. That's the Pharisees. And be careful not to grow your life on the power of politics and leadership. That's, that's Herod. And he's getting him to look. He, he's trying to point out, listen, I'm bread. As long as I'm here, you got bread. And so he keeps going and he says, they discussed this with one another and said, it is because we have no bread. Aware of their discussion, Jesus asked them, why are you talking about having no bread? Come on, somebody, I am bread. Do you still not see or understand? Are your hearts hardened? And he takes them back. Do you have eyes but fail to see and ears but fail to hear? And don't you remember when I broke the five loaves for the 5,000, and how many basketfuls of pieces did you pick up? 12, they replied. And when I broke the seven loaves for the 4,000, how many basketfuls of pieces did you pick up? They answered, seven. He said to them, do you still not understand? Now these are my words, not Jesus' words, but he's saying, these fools forgot who I am. They forgot who they're riding with. That they forgot about my faithfulness. They forgot about the miracle that I just did. In fact, some of you just realized that Jesus fed the multitudes two times. He did it in chapter 6 and he did it in chapter 8. He fed the 5,000 and he fed the 4,000. Two separate miracles. He emphasized it two times. He says, they forgot about my power. I got power like nobody else. They forgot that I am, I, I, I am their provider. I provide for all of their needs. In fact, I over and, and, and was over and above providing for their needs. They forgot I was with them then and they've clearly forgotten that I'm with them in the boat right now. They're tripping because all they see is, I don't got, I don't got bread. We, we, I, don't, I don't have a job. I, I, for, I don't have a girlfriend. They're just tripping because all they see was what's in front of them. And, I, and, and don't raise your hand, but how many people walked into church today while we're singing songs on your way, looking fresh, and you're still here, and all you're thinking in your mind is, I don't got no bread. I don't got what it takes. I don't got the money. I don't got this. I don't have, the, I don't have this. And Jesus is jamming these guys up, and He's reminding them, look, look, didn't, didn't I just do these things? And, and here's what we know. They took their eyes off Jesus, and all they can see is what's in front of them. Their lack, their, their, their insufficiencies, the, the pain. Because if they were looking at Jesus, and if you were looking at Jesus, we'd all be reminded of God's faithfulness and be reminded of what he just did. Let's say, look, he is, he, he is the answer to all of my solutions. If I can just get my eyes on him. And so the main focus today is real simple. It's simply to realize that there is power in remembering the faithfulness of God. There's power in remembering the faithfulness of God. So when the world is out of control, and it's like every three months, it's just, you know, we're just going like this. We don't even know. It's hard to anchor to anything, but you can be anchored to the faithfulness of God. 
when, when the job, it, it passes you up and, and, and you think that you were in line and I can't believe she got it, I can't believe he got it, I, I, I wasn't recognized. When life isn't fair because often it's not, you can cling to the faithfulness of God. That God is working on your behalf. He has a plan for you. When, when the world's falling apart, you can cling to the faithfulness of God. The best version of you starts when you wake up every day reflecting and remembering the faithfulness of God. The very best version of you, the very best, best version of, of your marriage, the very best version of your kids starts when as a family, as a unit, as an individual, you wake up and say, I'm just going to reflect, I'm going to think back, I'm going to meditate on the faithfulness of God. Why? Because there's power in remembering the faithfulness of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And, and I think I'm, uh, someone asked me in the back, we always pray together before, and they said, Travis, what are you most excited for? And I said, you know what, I think I'm most excited today for the unbeliever who's in the room. The friend that was invited who's heard the first five minutes and said, how am I supposed to remember the faithfulness of God if I don't even know who God is? Trust me, somebody today will enter into a relationship with Jesus. And the moment that you begin that relationship, it's all gonna come together, and you will know right there, wow, he's been there all the way. He's been there every step of the way. I thought it was me. I thought it was luck. I thought it was chance. I met Jesus and I just realized he has been faithful every step of the way. There's power in remembering the faithfulness of God. And so the title of my message is, Do You Remember? Do you remember? Turn to your neighbor and tell him, do you remember? Ask him, do you remember? Do you remember the 21st night of September? (laughs) Everything's a song in my head. I am so sorry. My wife tells me all the time, you're just singing songs everywhere. Uh, I want you to go to Mark chapter 6. I want to go back to the story that Jesus is referring to, the feeding of the 5,000. They go before Jesus, we don't, we don't, we don't, we don't have bread. And he goes, didn't, you don't remember what I just did? I think there are a few things that we can learn and, and unpack from the story that Jesus wished that his disciples had remembered. And I think we can take those with us today and hold fast to them and remember his faithfulness. So Mark chapter six, verse 35 to 44. By this time it was late in the day, so his disciples came to him. This is a remote place, they said, and it's already very late. Send the people away so that they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered, Jesus answered, you give them something to eat. Don't come to me with your problems. You, you figure it out. You give them something to eat. They said to him, that would take more than half a year's wages. Are we to go and spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat? How many loaves do you have, he asked. Go and see. When they found out, they said five. Someone shout five. And two fish. Someone shout two. Five and two fish. Then Jesus directed them to have all the people sit down in groups on green grass. This is not in my notes, a little side note. I mentioned this in in the last service. A lot of times we come to God and say, God... Fix me. And God says, I want to partner with you. Take your issue and have them sit down in groups of 50s and 100s. So sometimes God's God's telling, I want want to partner with you. You are not helpless. You are not a victim. You may have been hurt, but God wants to empower you. You are a new creation in Christ Jesus. And God says, I want to partner with you. In fact, I want you to work like it's all up to you, and I want you to pray like it's all up to him. That's the goal. Let's partner together. And so the disciples are sitting in groups of 50s and 100s. And in verse 41, taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. 
Then he gave them to his disciples to distribute to the people. He also divided the two fish among them all. They all ate and were satisfied, and the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls. How many baskets? 12 basketfuls of broken pieces of bread and fish. The number of men who had eaten was 5,000. That's an important note, that last sentence there in the story, because in Matthew, Matthew, Mark, we're in Mark, but one gospel account earlier in Matthew, Matthew records that there were 5,000 men besides women and children. See, they, they didn't really count women. They, 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 they didn't value them in, in that time period. And by the way, ladies, we value you. We respect you. We honor you. And so in Matthew's account, he says there were 5,000 men in addition to women and children. And so some theologians and scholars have calculated that maybe Jesus didn't just feed 5,000. He maybe fed 15 to 20,000 with the five loaves and the, and the two fish. What an incredible story. It's an awesome miracle. And I, I can just imagine Jesus going, ha, they'll never forget this. <laughs> In fact, he repeats it. He did the 5,000 in Mark 6, and then he goes to Mark 8, and he does the 4,000. And then instead of 12 baskets, they, they have uh, seven baskets left over. But then just a little while later, they've moved on from what God did, and they're acting helpless again, and Jesus rebukes them. He says, how did you forget? Because if you would remember, you'd know there's power in remembering what I've done for you. There's power in remembering my faithfulness. And so what does Jesus want us to remember? If, if you're a note taker, I'm going to give you three things today from this story that I think are worth remembering. Here's the first one. What does Jesus want us to remember? Number one, remember what God has given you. I'm gonna call that bread. Remember what God has given you. That's the bread. In Mark chapter six and verse 38, Jesus asks them, how many loaves do you have, he asked. Go and see. Notice they didn't already know. When he asked them, they didn't know. They had to go and see. Why? Because they didn't even bother to look and see what God had already given them. They just showed up with an issue. They just showed up with a complaint. They just showed up saying, Psh, I ain't got nothing. No one wants to be with me. No one wants to date me. Can't get a job. Life's terrible. It's awful. I'm barely making it. I even like this shirt. I like this shirt, by the way. <laughs> I picked it out. And Jesus has to tell them, go and see. And upon going and upon seeing, when they found out, they said, oh, we actually have five loaves and we also have two fish. And so they go and they didn't find sourdough, but they found five loaves. <laughs> but notice that Jesus doesn't even ask about fish. He says, how many loaves were there? But it was only upon looking for the bread that they realized, oh, we've got five loaves and we've got two fish. They found, they, they found what they've been given and they found so much more. And too many of us have forgotten what God has already given us. And we've overlooked it and called it insignificant. When I was uh, 16, I got my driver's license and I was so blessed for my parents to give me a car. It was my mom's car that she had driven around for many years. It was a 1989. I won't tell you the make and model, but it was nice. <laughs> Two problems. It was teal. 
And the license plate was personalized, which was awesome for my mom, not awesome for me. This is what it said, pay attention. It's spelled H-I-S, heart for you. Okay? It's teal. H-I-S, what's that spell? Heart for you. That was not the business. That was not the business. I was driving to high school, 16, beep, beep, what's happening? <laughs> Every time I come around your city, bling, bling. You know, it just wasn't good. His love for you was on the back. It didn't matter. There was, there was no swaggy. I, I didn't have enough to just cover it up. And it was nice, though. And, and, but all I could see was, was, was teal, turquoise, and his love for you. But it, it had leather seats. Okay, it had the moon roof. I would put it back. It even had the, the, I even had, I put in the alpine deck that you could take the face off and put in your pocket. Come on, somebody, and go to school. You don't know about that, young people. Come on. You don't have that issue. Man. I think it even had the, the uh, it wasn't a cell phone at the time. It was, a, it was a car phone. It was like bolted to the center console with the, with the little pigtail on it. And you, I couldn't call nobody. It wasn't hooked up, but I had it. You know what I mean? It was in there. It didn't matter how cool it was because all I saw was teal and his love for you, church. That was a burden to me. I was like, oh, my goodness, the burden of his love for you. And I love you, Lord, but just not on the way to school. <laughs> my friends thought it was sweet that I had a car at 16 years old. And I was blessed. But a lot of times we don't realize how blessed we are until we stop and take inventory of our lives and say, man, I got, I got more than I think I have. I got more bread than I think I came with. In fact, I got five loaves and I found out I got two fish. And so I just got to ask you today, if you have a family that loves you, you need to know that you're blessed. You have bread. If you have kids and there are people around you that are trying that can't, but you have kids, you are blessed. You have been given bread. If you have a job to go to tomorrow and you get a paycheck every two weeks or once a month, you are blessed. You have bread. If you have purpose in your life, whether that's family that you take care of or, or a, a, a dream that you're trying to attain, you have been given bread. You are blessed. If you have breath in your lungs to give God praise, you are blessed. You have, you have bread. And Jesus is trying to get us to remember, not forget what we've been given because there's power in remembering the faithfulness of God. God, you've given us so much. I may not have what they have, but that's like trying to compare a tangerine to a submarine. They may sound the same, but they're different. Like, I don't need to do that. I just need to think and remember what you've given me. I've got bread. Here's the second thing I think Jesus wants us to remember. Number two, remember how God brings the blessing. The disciples go, we don't have it, Jesus. We forgot it. We don't have it. And he goes, what? Are we seriously talking about bread? Don't you know that I'm with you? I am bread. And just two chapters ago, I fed the multitudes. How many baskets were there left over? Twelve. And then just a couple months later, I did it again with 4,000. How many baskets were left over? Seven. And here you are, and all you can see is what's in front of you, the lack of what you don't have. Are you kidding me? You don't remember? And so Jesus wants us to know, Rock Church, remember what God has given us. And number two, remember how God brings the blessing. I call that the breaking. Remember how God brings the blessing. In Mark 6, 41 Verse 41, it says, taking the five loaves and the two fish, 
And looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to his disciples to distribute to the people. He also divided the two fish among them all. Jesus takes the, the bread and it says, taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gives thanks. He gives thanks to God. And then what does he do next? He breaks it. Lean in for this. The breaking and the blessing work hand in hand. In fact, the blessing is in the breaking. The blessing is in the breaking. The, the miracle happened when he broke it, not when he blessed it, not when he gave thanks. There wasn't a multiplication, there wasn't provision, there wasn't, God, we need this, and now here it is, until there was a breaking. Here's what, here's what Psalm 66 verse 10 says. You have tested us, O God. You have purified us like silver. God is in the business of molding and shaping and purifying and breaking things off us to make us whole. We don't always like it. I just want the blessing. Breaking? Nope. Break them off. Bless me. That's not how it works. Um, I was talking to one of our team members on one of our, our volunteer teams. By the way, today is Volunteer Appreciation Day. Let's thank our volunteers. God bless you. Teamwork makes the dream work, and so we were thankful for you. And I was talking to one of our, our team members, and, and I'm not going to tell you what team he's on because we were discussing how he was planning on proposing to his girlfriend and so I just didn't want to expose him because you know if I said he was on hospitality all the, all the ladies with the boyfriend on hospitality would be like is that my man is that <laughs> I just want to be ready because I didn't do my nails as he do it today no but we were talking about the four c's okay I don't know if you know about the four c's when it comes to looking at rings ladies you know about the four c's what are the four c's See, see, they're just trying to give us a, their lesson right now. Let me, let, me, let me school you on the four C's, ladies. They, they know this. It's the cut, it's the color, it's the clarity, and it's the carrot. And I don't know which one's most important, but just put them all together. Come on, somebody. And so we're talking about the four C's because he wanted to go, go buy a ring. And I said, you got to know what the four C's are. Because you can't just go pick out the biggest diamond because you're just going to give her this yellow diamond. And you wouldn't know it was a yellow diamond until you put it next to someone else's diamond that was white and yours looks yellow. You just, you got to be up on the four C's. But then I was telling them, hey, listen, there's actually a fifth C. Because lately they have learned how to manufacture lab-grown diamonds. Okay, you know about this? Lab-grown diamonds? I'm not trying to expose you. You'd be like, is this lab-grown? What is this? <laughs> lab-grown diamonds. You can actually make a perfect, colorless, clear, no specks, no clouds, big diamond for half the price of an earth-grown diamond in the lab. Woo! Okay, now, I'm not trying to expose anybody, but let's take a vote. Okay, fellas, you're not on this. This, this is just for the ladies. Ladies, how many of you would be okay with a lab-grown... Come on, look at the practical ladies in the room right now. Look at them. Look at all these practical women in the room right now. Okay? It, it, it's lab-grown, but half the price, but more beautiful than the, than the real thing. Right? Okay. How many want the real thing? It came from the ground. Okay, it's split. It's 50-50. That, that costs double the price. Okay, that, that's coming out of your future vacations and everything else you want to do. That's coming out of the shopping budget, all I'm saying. You know what I mean? <laughs> Five C's. No matter if you make the diamond in the lab or you get the diamond in the earth, diamonds are only made with extreme pressure and extreme heat. You don't, you don't get the most precious gemstone without pressure and heat. 
Whether it's lab-grown or it's from the earth, it takes extreme amounts of pressure and heat. I think God wants you to know today that he is trying to make diamonds out of your life, but you have been resisting the pressure and been resisting the heat and been resisting the breaking, but God wants to bless you and turn you into a diamond. I, I, don't, I, don't, want, I, don't, I don't want that. I just, I just want the blessing. God wants to do something in you. If you see more pressure in your life, you should see more God in your life. And easy isn't always from God. I just, oh, I just, you know, I just want smooth and I want chill and I want comfortable can I just tell you, that's how you know who's not growing, all the comfortable people. That's the first tell sign that you're not growing. I'm just so comfortable. Easy is not always from God. Sometimes there are great seasons where it's just more grace-filled, there's more mercy, God's just moving things. But have you know, oftentimes he's using the breaking to bring the blessing. Uh, leadership coach and pastor John Maxwell says this, Everything worthwhile is uphill. The problem is we all have uphill hopes with downhill habits. I just wanna, I just wanna get it, but I wanna roll downhill. But God is in the business of refining us as the psalmist wrote. He, 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 is, he is making us as pure as, as silver. When Vanessa and I were, were dating early on, in the first six months, it was just, we, we had made a, an idol out of the relationship and put probably too much attention on each other, and we were trying to serve in ministry, and some people sat us down and said, listen, I think you guys should take a break, because God wants to do something in your life, and all your attention is on one another. And that's what an idol is. If you ever wondered, what does that mean when I hear this word in church, idolatry or idol? It's when the first thing you wake up and think about is not God, that thing has become an idol. Whatever thing you think up when you wake up, it is not God. That's an idol in your life. I wake up and I'm worried. Worry's become an idol. I have to have worry. I wake up and I check the, the, the gossip. That's an idol in your life. It has become the center, the, the, the foremost thing that you cling to. And so we just said, you know what? We'll, we'll receive that, but it, but it broke me. Can I be honest with you? Because it was messing with my head. And we didn't see each other for a while, but I would come to the church and, and, I, and I just, I swore I saw her with other dudes. And I'm like, who is that? <laughs> who is that? I've never seen him before. <laughs> I was tripping. It was in my head. It broke me. It was the worst thing because it broke me, but in God's hand, it became the best thing because it blessed me. The blessing is often in the breaking, and so if God is breaking you today, if God is, is refining you today, and he's pulled you out of that job, he's pulled you out of that relationship, he's asking you, give up that thing you don't need it, but it hurts to give it up. And it feels like he's breaking something in you. It's because he's trying to bless you, Rod Church. He wants to bless you. He wants to provide for you. He wants to do more than you can ever ask or imagine him to do. It feels like breaking. And that's what Jesus wished the disciples would remember in that miracle. One, remember what God has already given you. That's the bread. And number two, remember how God brings the blessing. Oftentimes it's in the breaking. And here's number three. Write this down. Remember what God has accomplished. I call that the basket. The bread, the breaking, and the basket. Remember what God has accomplished. In Mark 6, 42, it reads, they all ate and were satisfied. All of them. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces of bread and fish. And the number of men who had eaten was 5,000, but we know it was more like 15 to 20,000. So the disciples had to go around, and I don't know where they got these baskets from. I don't know if they brought them or, you know, they went to Hobby Lobby or something, or someone was over on the side just, you know, stitching wicker baskets or, they, well, I don't know what, but they got baskets. 
And the scriptures tell us they got 12 and maybe they had to go around and they were the ones that were picking up the leftovers. They were just astonished. I can't, I just can't, I just keep putting more bread in the basket. And by the end of their time, they're, they're sitting there walking around with 12 baskets. And I can imagine Jesus is saying, don't ever forget that. Don't forget this moment. Don't forget that you're holding how many? 12 full baskets. But something like this happened in the Old Testament. This was in the New Testament, but I want to go to Joshua chapter 4. It says, so Joshua called together 12 men he had chosen, one from each of the tribes of Israel. He told them, go into the middle of the Jordan, in front of the ark of the Lord your God. That was where they carried the Ten Commandments. It represented the presence of God, the holy of holies. And so he takes one person from each tribe of Israel, and it says, Go in the middle of the Jordan, in front of the ark of the Lord your God. Each of you must pick up one stone and carry it out on your shoulder. Twelve stones in all. I got a picture of a twelve stone memorial. There we go. Twelve stones. One for each of the twelve tribes of Israel. In verse 6 it says, we will use these stones to build a memorial. In the future your children will ask you, what do these stones mean? Then you can tell them, they remind us. They help us remember. They remind us that the Jordan River stopped flowing. There was water at one point, but because we crossed over with the presence of God, God moved the water. They remind us that the Jordan River stopped flowing when the Ark of the Lord's Covenant went across. These stones will stand as a memorial among the people of Israel. And so in the Old Testament, they carry 12 stones to remember that God did something incredible. To remember what God had accomplished before. In the New Testament, they carried 12 baskets. Different Testament, Old Covenant, New Covenant. Same application. Do not forget what God has accomplished. God wants to tell you today that you can rely on God, you can trust God. When things aren't going well, you can remember and recall, God, you did it back then. I believe that you can do it today. What you did in my friend's life, you can do for me. You need to know that God is willing. God is able. God is excited to come bring a blessing in your life. And what you have seen him do before, he can do over and over and over again. Do not forget God. Do not forget God. Do not forget God. Do not forget his faithfulness. There's power in the faithfulness of God. I want to end with this story. Then we're going to take communion together and Um, We'll spend a few moments just remembering Jesus and his sacrifice for us. When I was in kindergarten or first grade, we had bake sales. I don't know where bake sales are at these days. I want to bring back bake sales. I think they were awesome. In the pandemic, wiped out potlucks anyways. But every other Friday, we would do a bake sale during lunchtime. And so on the way to school on this particular Friday, my dad was driving me. And I remember lifting up the center console to see if there were any quarters you know, because like for, 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 you know, 25 cents and, you know, 1991, that went a long way. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's like quarters, you can get a lot for a quarter in 1991. There were no quarters in the center console. And I thought, dang, I'm going to miss the bake sale. I love bake sale Fridays. It's all right. So I went to class and lunchtime comes, recess, bake sale. And I'm just sitting there just, just, you know. Just trying to get the the cupcake in my nose. Just trying to smell it like, oh, it's good. Love the the bake sale. 
I missed it, didn't have any quarters with me. And so I went back to class and I sat down, but then about an hour later, there's a knock on our classroom door. And my teacher goes and opens the door and who's standing there, it's my dad. And my teacher waves me over and, and, and goes, goes, Travis, your dad's here. And so I go up there and, and I'm, I'm a little guy and I, what's up, dad? He goes, hey, I brought two quarters for you for the bake sale. And you better believe I didn't tell him nothing that the, the, the bake sale was already over. I was just so happy, so grateful, so thankful that I had been given two quarters that my father thought about me. He was thinking about me. He sacrificed for me. And we can begin to play as we close up our time, but here's what I want to end with because I know that not everybody had a father like mine, but that story was burned into my mind. I, I, I can't go another day of my life without having that story floating around somewhere. That's the impression I have in my father that my, in, the, in the middle of my day, the middle of his day, he took time to think about me. He, he stopped everything, came in his business suit, and I don't know if he had to call the boss or tell someone I'm running late or go get quarters from the vending machine. I don't know what he did, but he brought me two quarters he was thinking about me. And you may not have a father like I do, but can I just tell you, my friends, church, anybody watching, that you have a perfect heavenly father who is thinking about you, that sacrifices for you, that loves you, that will do anything for you that loves you so much in the middle of what you're going through that he sent his one and only son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish. But if you believe in Jesus and remember what he did on the cross, you will be given everlasting life. It has nothing to do with what you've done or earned or haven't done for him. It's just because your perfect father loves you. And I think that's worth remembering. And when you sit in that place of remembering his faithfulness, I just know that I know that I know I will always have bread. He is the bread of life. And I can recall on all the things he's done before. There's power in remembering the faithfulness of God. And Jesus wants us to know, just remember what I've given you. I've given you so much, that's bread. Remember how I bring the blessing. It often comes in the breaking. Don't move away from it, lean into it. Press into the breaking. And he wants you to know what he has accomplished, that God is not a one-trick pony. What God did before, he can do again and again and again. Family, God is real. Put your trust in God. Put your faith in God. Put your family in God's hands. Put your business in God's hands. Trust him. He is good. He is faithful. Remember that. He is good. He is faithful. Let's bow our heads and pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for loving us and being a perfect father. I pray we would never forget what happened over 2,000 years ago. You sent your son to live the life that we could never live. We just, we just mess it up all the time. We live in this tension between the flesh and the spirit. But you loved us so much, you did not require us to be good like a Pharisee or to strive for power like Herod but we remember that you are the bread of life. That's what we need. And in your love for us, you came down from heaven and lived that blameless, perfect life and you died for us on the cross. You stretched your arms out and you thought about us, but for the joy set before you, you endured it because you were thinking about us. And today we think about you. Thank you for your sacrifice. So as everybody's heads are bowed and your eyes are closed and you need to begin a relationship with him today, or maybe you need to come back to the point where Jesus is now the Lord of your life. I want you to pray this prayer in the quiet of your heart and just pray, dear God, I admit that I have failed. I admit that I'm a sinner. I admit that I have fallen short of your glory.
And I believe that you died for me on the cross. I believe that you love me. I believe that you find joy in me and that you're not mad at me. I believe you've forgiven me and all my sin. I confess you today as Lord of my life. I confess you as the leader of my family and my future. Give me a new spirit. Holy Spirit, fill me up. Give me new eyes to see, a new heart to love as you love. I love you. As everybody's heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, if you prayed that prayer or anything like it to draw near to Jesus and begin that relationship or reform that relationship with him on the count of three. I'm just gonna ask you to raise your hand so I can see you so we can pray a blessing over you. On the count of three, shoot that hand up. One, two, three, put your hand in the air. Good, 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 good. Hold it up nice and high. Good, good, good. All across the room. Awesome, awesome, good. Awesome. Awesome, all ages. It's never too soon, never too old, never too late. Nothing too great to come back to Jesus to begin a life with him. Lord, thank you for every life, every hand, every miracle that just took place. We remember your love for us. We bless them and we say thank you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.